You are listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church. All right. What's up, church? Wow, that's hot. I'm, I've got a lot of energy already, so um, probably won't need the extra amperage. Um, good morning. It's a, it's a joy, as always, to stand before God's people um, and declare the words of God. You guys don't need the words of a man, right? That I have nothing to give you today to help you, but God does. And uh, we welcome you in, guests, all those who are uh, visiting with us today. If you are a guest, welcome in. It's a joy um, to serve. If you, uh, if you ha- were not here with us last week, last week we kicked off a new sermon series in the uh, book of Genesis at Genesis, and we so creatively dubbed it Genesis, God Creates. So there you have it. We, we stretched the limits of our creativity. And, um, you know, Genesis, we all understand what that means. And last week, Patrick opened in chapter one. Uh, he went through all of the first chapter. If you were here with us, you remember that what we saw was the, the origin of the world and the beginning of the people of God in the first book of the Bible. And what we saw was God creating. In verse one, it's revealed that this happened one time. This was an epic thing that God, the all-powerful, all-ruler, creator of the universe, spoke things, created them in existence. And so verses three through 30, we saw last week, kind of gave a play-by-play, if you will, of God's creation, that God was speaking. He was speaking and creating. And 10 different times within those verses, God, it says, then God said, then God said, or God said and God said 10 different times. And God created ex nihilo. You guys know what that is? The Latin term, out of nothing. And Patrick illustrated to us that some crazy people think that nothing's actually something. But we know that God created out of nothing. Right? Fascinating. Then finally we saw that at the apex in in chapter 1, verse 27, that man and woman were created. Mankind, God created man and he formed them and he shaped them. Not only did he create them, but he gave them his divine imprint, which I really like, imago Dei, a Latin word again, the image of God, he created him. And really at that point, we saw that God changed the game in his creating. God really changed the game and he, and he ups the ante because before then he had been saying in an evening and morning came and God said it was good every time he created. But this time, God looks after he creates man and woman, and he says, it was really good. God changes the game. He empowers both the man and the woman to fill and subdue and rule over his creation. And so God has granted us to be his viceroys, if you will. We've been granted authority. A viceroy is someone who has been given authority of a ruler to go and the steward over a territory. And so God has given that to man and woman in the beginning. We know that we will see soon that sin enters in and changes that a little bit, but still the responsibilities that God gave to us are there. So God, 
in his kindness, creates in six days account, and then lands us today in chapter two. And so if you have Bibles with you, if you're not familiar with the Bible at all, um, it's right in the very beginning. So you don't have to search very hard or very far. It's chapter two. We are in that place today where God grants us the gift of rest. So we want to take a look at that today. If you will, if you go ahead and turn over, if you have your devices, or if you need a Bible, we have some. Um, hopefully we'll have these scriptures up on the screen. And I want to read this text as we jump in and then ask the Lord to help us to reveal to us what he has for us today. Let's read starting in verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, your word is what keeps us, sustains us, nourishes us, and holds us, God, and reveals who you are to us, that we may follow you, God, that we may abide in Christ, God, that we may remain, that we may be all that you called us to be as followers of Jesus. And so, God, I pray today that you would speak through your word, that you would use me, a broken, down servant, a man with many failings, God, to show your great and mighty power that you would speak, not the words of a man, O oh God, but your words we pray. Amen. Amen. So if we, if we look here closely, we find in these verses, after the activity of God speaking and creating, Words and working. God, in chapter 2, does something unique here. What he does in verse 2, look at it with me, he says, his work that he had done was complete, and he rested on the seventh day from all of the work that he'd done. So God rested. Now, for me, when I, when I read that, it conjures up these images, right? And so I'm having to deal and wrestle through with what does that word rest really mean? How do we unpack rest here in the text as to what we now in 21st century Western society look through the lens of our culture and the way that we understand rest? But then look greater in verse 3. Not only did God rest, but God blesses and then God declares the seventh day to be holy. So God was speaking, creating, now God is resting, blessing, declaring, setting apart as holy. And so we want to look at the implications of that today. These three things, the actions of God, and now his blessing, resting, and calling the seventh day holy. What are those implications for the world that we live in? All of creation, right? What are the implications that roll off from that? And then particularly for us as followers of Christ and those who have become people of the way and given themselves over to following Jesus. And so the curiosity for me in the word rest drove me 
to look at it again and to study that. And really what you find is in that word rest is the word Shabbat in Hebrew. Sounds familiar? It's where we get the word sabbatical, where we get the word Sabbath. We're going to see how the Shabbat differs from what we actually would tend to agree is rest. And so Shabbat actually means to cease or stop. So when it's the, the scriptures say here that God rested, it wasn't like you and I, like me, when I go out and mow the lawn, and it's in the hot Texas summer, and I'm exhausted. And so I come in, and I reach in my fridge, and I grab my frosty mug, and I pull it out. I go, and I grab my iced tea, and I pour it in my frosty mug, right? Or whatever liquid refreshment of your choice. You pour it in there, you plop down in your chair on the couch, you kick up your feet, you, you sit back under the fan, and you're trying to be, receive rejuvenation. You're trying to get reinvigorated, refreshed from your labor, right? That's, that's not what Shabbat is. That's not what God was doing, right? We know that God does not grow weary or tired like us. God does not need to be refreshed. Look with me at um, Isaiah chapter 40 really quick, and I can show you in the scripture how we know that in one way that this is not what God is speaking of when he says that he rests, when Moses says that God rested on the seventh day. Look here in verse 28 with me. Isaiah says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit. Look how he specifically, Isaiah ties that back into creation. He ties his limitless creating power back to that he is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. So we know that in God's creating, he was not exhausted, right? We know that God did not grow weary. And so we know that it's not him seeking to replenish his electrolyte level, right? Like we do. He's not looking for that divine Gatorade, right? That's not what he's doing, no. What is God doing when it says he rested from the works that he had done? He stopped speaking and creating, and he rested. Think about that. God rested. It's in the unmatched wisdom of God and his extravagant kindness that he gives to us the grace of rest. Now, when I received this assignment, I thought it was a divine joke because if anyone knows me, I do not rest well. I do not do well at resting. I'm a man that likes to achieve and I like to get things done and I like to continue to push and go. And my wife can tell you that the only time I tend to want to rest is when I'm stricken with sickness because I've gone and gone and pushed myself to the brink, showing my pride that in myself I'm teetering on being like Lucifer, trying to be like God, as if I can continue without some form of having to cease from my work to be rejuvenated. So I don't think this is by accident <laughs> that the Lord wanted me to talk about rest. And so 
Today I want us to really hear about the grace that is rest. And in so doing, we want to look at how God established for his creation this grace of rest, this rhythm, if you will, a ceasing from his work of creating and now resting. He blessed this day and sets it apart. So up until approximately about 100 years ago, the culture, if from all millennia since Genesis 1, this rest was built in and this rhythm was in the way that the culture existed. But the onset of electricity has changed the game by which we tend to not want to rest well, right? Because now we don't get outside. We don't get out into the, the created space that God has given us to enjoy and see his beauty and find our satisfaction and be reinvigorated. No, right? We have the comfort of air conditioning. We have television. We have all the digital devices right in front of us. We don't even have to talk to anyone anymore. We can entertain ourselves Day after day after day in the comfort of our home, sitting, scrolling on a smart device or a smartphone or a tablet at a computer, typing away, connected to the world all over, yet not present anywhere, not rooted anywhere at one specific time. Heart that is restless a life that is filled with exhaustion. There's been no other time in history where people have been exhausted like they are now, working to try to press, to press limits and push limits and supersede what God has ordained, work to be, trying to make a name for themselves and trying to become something more than what God has created. And so rest is the opportunity for us, you guys, to really recover the rhythm. It's a six days of working. And then God gr gives us this grace of Sabbath rest, this day where we can just unplug, stop the routine, and consider the word of God and his working in our life. Isn't that what we do? That's what God wants, is that we would stop Consider his words. Consider where he's working still, because God is always working in the hearts and in the lives of those around us and in us and through us. But these rhythms now have been interrupted. Now they're pressing even to the point of chaotic, to where if you looked at sleep centers and those centers that studied sleep, if you will, if you want to look at sleep as a part of our rest. In 1970, there were only three centers that were studying this medically in the United States. And then in the 90s, there were over 250, close to 300, I think. And then today, there's over 2,500 centers that study patterns of sleep, insomnia, all the things that come with a culture that is wired, that is plugged in 24-7 that doesn't create space to sit before God who longs to know them and commune with them. I am so convicted we can do nothing 
in our own strength. And yet I try to do everything in my own strength. So God gives us rest. The intent behind it was said that it would be a blessing, right? So when God blesses, he said to Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to many. Every time God blesses, the intent is so that it would continue to roll out as a blessing, continually blessing others. We're blessed to be a blessing, right? The intent behind God is that we would really experience the blessing of rest in here. And so it's that we will become a blessing. But what is our tendency as sinful fallen man? We turn God's blessing into a burden, right? Right? We take the blessings of God and we flip them upside down and we make them self-seeking and it becomes a burden. Even a tyrant, if you will, where we're under the weight and the rule of this man-made burden. Look with me now in Exodus chapter 20. You'll see that Moses here, the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments is given. But you'll see here that Moses again in verse 4, he ties this fourth commandment and back to creation. Let's read it here in verse Eight through, let's read verses 8 through 11. Moses says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. And I love what he does here. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. So God gives to his people the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment to the Israelites to keep the Sabbath holy. And when he does, Moses ties it back to Genesis chapter two because he ties it back to the intended created order that God had for his people, that it would be a day of blessing, that it would be set apart as holy for his people. But if you know, and you've read through the Old Testament, the tendencies of the Jewish people, a lot like us, is to take that and to turn it around in on ourselves. And so they've created entire laws to kind of define what work really was, right? Because it says, do not work, and that wasn't clear enough for them, right? And so the Mishnah, which is the legal commentaries of the rabbis from in the Jewish culture, they expanded this word to mean, thir- to actually take on 39 different classes of work. 39 different things that you could not do that on the Sabbath day because it would consist of work as they defined it. And so if you and I were to go over to Jerusalem today and to visit, and we were to stay through the weekend from, and we were there through Sunday and then Friday night when Sabbath kicks in, and we were staying maybe in a multi-level hotel, and we had to go to our room, and we were, say, on the 10th floor. We go to get in the elevator on floor one, 
we would be unable to press the button to go to the 12th floor, the 10th floor, wherever we were staying. All the elevators are pre-programmed in the hotels in Israel. So when the sun goes down on Friday to Saturday, because that would be considered working and sinning against God. Wow. That's, that's not a blessing for me if I have to get to the 12th floor pretty quick, right? That's not a blessing. That's taking something that God had intended to be good and make, turn it into a legalistic approach to satisfying God, right? That's what we do all the time. We take what our works, we take our actions, we take our words, and we try to present them to God for acceptance, that we could somehow work our way to God to find acceptance by the way that we live, by the way that we read the word, by the way that we get up early to pray, how we go and we cut our neighbor's grass, whatever it is that we do. But the rest that God has blessed us and has blessed us with and called us to is a rest that is for here and now and it's experiential and it's for eternity. It's the rest, the Sabbath that Christ came to fulfill for us. And so when God declared the seventh day, as holy, he set it apart for holy purposes. And that's why we stop and cease from our working. We cease from our regular activities and we come and we gather with his people. We acknowledge the word of God. We acknowledge he's been working in our lives. And then we respond to God with praise and adoration for all that he's doing. We sit under the preached word of God to recalibrate our hearts and our minds and our thoughts around the true reality the reason why we're here and why we exist, the reason that we've been gifted life, the reason that Christ came to give us abundant life. And so how are we doing so far at that? How's, how are you doing, church? I'm not, I don't do well with resting. This culture doesn't rest well at all. So if you're like me, and I know some of you out there may struggle. Resting our minds, bodies, and souls. Holistic rest. I'm not doing that. More than any other time, man is struggling to rest. And the things that have, God has given as technology for a, to be a blessing have become a curse, right? So we actually are told that technology is to help us become more productive, and to free us up with more time, more free time from work, right? And that's not exactly what happens. What it does is we've actually turned technology into recreation. The use of technology has become our form of recreation, right? But recreation used to be, let's go to the park. Let's enjoy the created God. Let's go out and play with our children. Let's go swim. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's go for a walk. Let's recreate. Let's get away from being jammed up inside all day. People are struggling with vitamin E and vitamin D deficiencies. It's a problem, right? People are unable to sleep because there's the blue light that comes from our devices that slows down the production of melatonin in our bodies at night when we're supposed to be up. And if you lay in your bed like I do and you troll through your feet at the end of the night before you go down to bed or you're reading your Bible, whatever you're doing, 
the blue light does not allow for the melatonin to be produced at the levels that are needed to go into a deep rest. So we have today created a, this extra time now to just consume more busy things with our minds. Our minds never have a chance to be still and think about great things. We're constantly consuming articles, constantly wasting away our time. I was reading an article that said if we spent the amount of time on social media in reading books, we could read 200 books a year. I read like 10 books last year. That's insane. Wasting away this grace of rest in which we truly find our rest in the one who can deliver eternal rest for our soul. We're consuming information. We're, we're info, informational snacking. We're info snacking, right? That's what happens when you're reading something and something pops up across your screen and then you jump onto that thing and you start reading that and then something else links you to another thing and it's like before you know it, you've spent two hours just consuming articles and downloading and digesting information. And some of that's good, right? We, we can redeem technology. So don't hear what I'm not saying, but all of this has created a, a cocktail of craziness and chaotic disorder and dysfunction that we've never seen before. We've never seen a more disconnected, overworked, exhausted, disintegrated culture and most polarizing culture at odds with one another. We've never seen this in my limited lifetime and reading and doing research on it, it hasn't been this way. So we desperately need the Sabbath rest. We should, as believers, resist from achieving and simply enjoy being. Resist achieving and enjoy being. That's going to take a divine work of the Holy Spirit. We are wired to achieve. Our culture is driven by achievement so that we can find affirmation and identity in what we've achieved. But guess what? Christ takes away our achievement awards. Remember that? When you were in elementary, grade school, and you did something well, and they were encouraging you in that, you would receive these achievement awards? We don't have to struggle with trying to achieve something for God. We don't have to work towards being accepted. Christ achieved it on our behalf. And when we rest in the Sabbath, what we're doing is recovering our humanity. We're recovering the humanity that God created us for to exist in his presence. All of creation was created as a rest. And we're called to enter into that rest. And that rest is still open today. That rest has not been closed down yet. The invitation has not ceased to come. All who are weary and burdened and heavy laden and seek rest in Christ today. That is the rest we need. So what are some practical steps for us today to help us get to a place where we experience the grace of rest and the Sabbath renewal that God had for us? Where we cease from duty and we engage in what is delight, right? Achieving production, the duty to get things done. And we resist that and we engage in the delight of God, the creator of all those good things. 
It breathes life into you. What do you do for rest? So I try to rest, and I only end up doing about half a day a week. And for me, resting is weird because that means like running a mile or working out or doing something like that is like, I just, I just enjoy that, right? But I also enjoy spending time out when the weather's great by the pool, laying under the sun, enjoying the creation, watching the birds and then the airplanes and all of the clouds, playing with the kids, shooting hoops with your kids in the driveway, right? Tossing the ball, going to have a picnic in the park, spending time together with presence, rootedness, engaging with your mind, your soul, your body in rest. Something that's not a means to an end, right? I struggle with trying to Everything's a means to an end. So when I lay down at night, I'm thinking I need to do this and do that and do this because I've got that in three weeks and I've got this in five days. And so I'm planning all of my minutes and hours of every day to get something done to achieve. That is exhausting. It's just exhausting. And, you can't, and I can't continue at that pace and no one can. And so we need to Enjoy what God has given as good gifts, the gifts of feasting, the gifts of family, the gifts of friends and, and food and good drink and great espresso, right? That's always a good one. What we enjoy is ice cream. We enjoy ice cream in our family. That is a trait that God has blessed the Shield family with is the consumption of ice cream in massive amounts, I have my own half gallon, so don't judge me. I, use, I put that out in the garage fridge with all my other treasures that I hide from my kids <laughs> and my selfishness. But these are all gifts that are spectacular from God. And yet, when we don't unplug, pull back, understand the rhythm of the creation that we find in chapter 2, that God blessed he rested, and then he set this whole day apart. And so Sabbath is this day for us to be set apart where we do something different than we do all week. And we hope that's what you experience when you come here on Sundays, is that you experience the gathered people of God where the presence and the power of Christ is on display <laughs> like no other time throughout your week because when the people of God come together, God promises that he's in our midst and we're feasting on him through his word. He's meeting us. He's in, our, he's, he's in the details of our times together. He's in the details when we scatter. But the God of the universe, some of y'all need to hear this. The God of the universe gives you permission to sleep in. I know that's nerve-wracking for me. That's nerve-wracking. But God has given you permission to sleep in to experience the grace of sleep and rest, maybe even take a nap, right? As you get older, like me, you will enjoy the grace of naps. Naps are amazing. They take on all different forms. When you're young, man, like me, I was like, How? Why, why are you wasting your time napping? Now I get it, right? 
So what would happen, right? What's going to happen if we sleep in, if we take a nap? We're going to miss something. God's, we're not going to be in control, right? And that's really what it is, is a trust that the God of the Sabbath is in control. He is in control of our days. He's in control of our family. He's in control of our bank account. He's in control of our children. He's in control of our jobs, right? It's not us holding on to controlling everything by our achieving and working and striving, right? What we find in Sabbath is that great foretaste of grace in the gospel. It's the grace that God has bestowed toward mankind. It's established in the rhythms of rest, and it's a gift to us and a blessing that ultimately points to an eternal rest that's only found in Jesus. Jesus is the good and better Sabbath, friends. Jesus is the one that our striving and our soul, deep longing in the hearts of our being, he satisfies and quenches and provides for us even now today. Rest, come to me, rest. Some of us need to put our iPhones in the kitchen when we go to bed. Some of us need to let the computer stay out in the, in the a vehicle when we come in for the day. I'm speaking from experience. Some of us need to stop posting on social media, stop scanning Twitter, stop snapping on chat, all the above, right? There's an app for that. I found that there's an app for that. This week when I was doing research on this, there's an app called Break Free. And I want to challenge you, download the app after the sermon, and uh, you can download it. It will track the usage on your device. It is a scary thing. It'll track all the time you spend trolling away, just numbing your soul, numbing your mind with silly things. We're numbing ourselves. We can't even hear the voice of God. We can't even be present with our children. We're missing all the grace that we were intended. And so when we've wired our lives in such a way like this, we are killing ourselves one post at a time, one swipe at a time. At the heart level, we are sick. We're shredding the very fiber of our souls, emaciating our spiritual lives. That is sin. When we don't create space to acknowledge God, it's a sin. And it will lead to death. It will lead to death, death, in our families, death in your relationships, death apart from Jesus Christ. You will be without a hope. But guess what? There's good news. There's good news because with Jesus, he offers hope for our present and for our future need. Look with me now, if you would, in Mark chapter two. We'll start in verse seven. I'm sorry, verse 27. If I can get the snot out of my, my eyeballs, I could see. This is when Jesus walking through with his disciples, the grain fields, and then the uh, Pharisees want to come up and point out, hey, bro, you, you, broke, you broke the law here. You weren't supposed to be picking from the, the grain on the Sabbath day. And uh, they said, look what he's doing. That's not lawful. And then we get down to 25. Have you... 
Have, let's start in 25. He said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar and the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone. Um, sorry, I lost my place. To eat except the priest and also gave some to his companions. And then verse 27, then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus restates that the Sabbath was instituted as a blessing, which God stated in verse 2 of Genesis, that he blessed it, and then he set apart, he sanctified it and made it holy. And he instituted this to relieve man of our labors, just as he came to relieve us from our self-salvation projects. We who are in Christ can rest forever. We who are in Christ can rest forever. We can cease from working to achieve the favor of God. We can cease from striving after acceptance based on our own merit because Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Christ created the Sabbath to point to himself to point us to himself, our great desperate need, now that we find ourselves in great desperation, unable to rest on our own, unable to find rest for our soul, look to Jesus, my friends, the Lord of the Sabbath, the good and greater rest for your soul. Come to him. Rest in him. Augustine said that we were created for God. And we will not find our rest until our heart finds its rest in him alone. That is the Christian hope. That's the message that we have received, which we're being saved, and now which I am proclaiming to you today. Come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. Find rest from this burden this life that overwhelms, is chaotic, has you at the point of exhaustion and giving up. Christ says, I got you. Come to me. Come to me now. Come to me, all who are weary. Matthew 11, he says this. Verse 28. Come to me. All you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me. Why should we do that? Because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Sabbath should humble us. Sabbath should heal us. Right here, Christ says, because I am lowly and humble in heart, come to me, all who are lowly, all who are cast off, all who are rejected, and I will give rest for your soul. Literally, the Greek says, I will make you rest. Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you my yoke, and you will receive rest. I will make you rest. That's what I need. I need to be made to rest in Christ.
Christ gives what no one else can give, what we can't achieve on our own, in our own strength. He gives us rest from the burden of sin, which leads to death and the wrath of God that awaits for those who do not rest in Christ. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Come, rest in him. Turn from the weariness of fruitless works of the flesh and come to Christ who finished the work for us when he became our atonement. Finishing his work, Hebrews says, he sat down as a high priest. He sat down. It was over. Tetelestai. It is finished. It is done. All we have to do is come and receive and walk in what he has already created space for us. Would you come to him today? We see that great foretaste of the gospel. God rested. He blessed. He sanctifies. When we come to Christ, we find rest. We're blessed beyond measure in him, and he has set us apart now for works of righteousness that we will walk in. What a pattern. What a rhythm of rest and grace in the Sabbath for you and for me. Would you come to Christ today? Those of you who are physically drained, those of you who are spiritually at your wit's end, we wanna create space for you guys to come as we close. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church.